Welcome to Lifelines, the radio program of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. I'm your host, Maria Gallagher. We have an exciting program ahead, but first, the headlines. Democrats have again blocked a request in Congress to vote on a bill to stop infanticide. This is yet another time when the congressional Democrats have prevented the Republicans from voting on a bill that would provide medical care and treatment for babies who survived botched abortions. The bill was denied by Senator Patty Murray after a request by Senator Ben Sass of Nebraska that would have stopped infanticide nationwide. We will have more on the disastrous push toward infanticide later in the broadcast. President Trump's highlighting of life issues in the State of the Union Address was praised by National Right to Life. On February 6th, the president gave an eloquent defense of innocent human life. He spoke about the importance of protecting mothers and their unborn children. The president has stressed the need for Congress to pass a late-term abortion ban. More than 70 people attended a pro-life rally at the Adams County Courthouse in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Executive Director Michael Chicochopo provided a stirring keynote address. The event occurred on January 22nd, the anniversary of the tragic U.S. Supreme Court ruling Roe v. Wade, which brought us abortion on demand for any reason during all nine months of pregnancy. Every year for more than four decades, people have gathered in Washington, D.C. for the annual March for Life. It has been estimated that as many as 300,000 people from all across the country marched in this year's event. The theme for the march was Pro-Life is Pro-Science, unique from day one. The rally preceding the march included appearances by Vice President Mike Pence and his wife Karen, along with a videotaped address from Pro-Life President Donald Trump. And now to our guests. Michael Chikachovo is Executive Director of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. Katie Schreiner is a Penn State student who is interning at the Federation. Together they are a dynamic duo for life. Welcome, Michael and Katie. Thanks, Maria. Hi, everybody. Thank you, guys. Now, Michael, what do you think about the new legislation in New York and in Virginia about someone being able to have an abortion up until the baby is born? Well, it's not only up until the baby is born. The law makes it legal to commit infanticide. The killing of babies after they're born, if the intention was to abort abort them. You know, I'm really heart sick over this, but I'm outraged by the callousness of the New York legislature and Governor Cuomo. But, you know, why should we be surprised about this, Maria? We've always known that radical pro-abortion people wanted more, but they used to hide it. They used to hide their intentions, really, in nice words like choice. But now they've exposed what they really intend. And trust me, their agenda goes far beyond abortion and infanticide. They are working on legalizing the killing of sick people, of elderly people, of disabled people, any life that they don't think worth is worth living, they're out to get. I think, though, that even people who have been in the pro-life movement for years and years are very much outraged by the situation in New York and Virginia, and, and they are, frankly, shocked. I mean, we worked so long and so hard to get a ban on partial birth abortion nationwide, and we achieved that. 
and we thought that we had made great strides in stopping late-term abortions and of course we have in Pennsylvania because you cannot get an abortion in Pennsylvania after 24 weeks except to save the life of the mother but still there are places out there where they do want these abortions up to the moment of birth and then they don't want to provide the medical care for the babies after birth which is infanticide so I think that this has mobilized and energized the pro-life movement so that we will see greater pro-life progress in the future. I agree. Now, first of all, Michael, do you think Roe versus Wade will end? Well, I think Roe versus Wade has been bad law since it was first decided because it's not really grounded in the Constitution. It's only a matter of time before a Supreme Court that really honors the Constitution is going to overturn it. But then it will be up to each state to decide if abortion will be legal. And New York and Virginia show us that they also believe that Roe is going to be overturned. That's why they're passing these laws now, because they want to make sure that abortion is always going to be available in their states. And, you know, here in Pennsylvania, if Governor Wolf is the governor, when Roe is overturned, it's clear he will not sign a law that is going to make abortion illegal. In fact, if, if the people of Pennsylvania were to elect pro-abortion majorities in the state house and in the state senate, we could look forward to Governor Wolf and the legislature doing the same thing they're doing in Virginia and New York, if we're not careful. That's a very scary proposition. Now, Katie, what do you think? Do you think Roe versus Wade is going to be overturned? Um, I believe that it definitely will be sometime within the next future coming up. But then, like we've mentioned before, then what happens, say it's all gone. What about the other states like New York and Virginia where they have laws that, um, that you can have an abortion up to late term? Then what happens? Then you have to fight for those rights and to have bills in order for people not to be able to have abortions. So there's also that trouble within, but I do believe that there will be a time where we won't see legal abortion anymore. I look forward to that time. Now, Michael, what has been the most eye-opening experience you've had with the pro-life movement? I think the thing that really has surprised me is that there are so many people who are pro-life but they really do not know, in fact, about abortion. They don't understand the devastation that it causes. I mean, 60 million babies have been killed by legal abortion since Roe versus Wade. And if you ask the average pro-lifer on the street about that number, they would not have a clue. Um, and they just sit back because they don't know the truth. And a lot of them are not doing anything. But this, the New York law and the Virginia situation have really um, sort of woken people up, I think. Mm -hmm. There have been a lot of pro-lifers who have been sitting on the bench for a long time, and all of a sudden, they've been jolted into the reality of what's going on, and now they're saying, Coach, let me in, Coach. Oh, that's, that's definitely true. Now, Katie, what about you? What has been your most eye-opening experience in the pro-life movement? I mean, I believe so far within my time here that definitely one of the most eye-opening um, experiences that I've had thus far is when Michael and I traveled to Gettysburg for the rally for the first time and actually being a part of a rally and seeing so many people being out there wanting um, 
to have the same mission to end abortion and also just seeing people walking in the streets and you know hearing this for the first time or you know hearing it several times and still stopping and listening to all the great speakers and um listening to all the prayers definitely was definitely an eye-opening moment within my experience here so far that's very good to hear now michael how have you seen the movement grow throughout your time working at the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation? Well, I, I think the biggest growth has been among young people. Years ago, I remember, for example, going to the March for Life and seeing a lot of older adults uh, marching, a lot of gray hair at the March for Life. But now when you go to the March for Life, it's a majority of young people, intelligent people, who see the barbarity of abortion and how it has devastated their own generation. And they want it to stop. And Katie here is just a sterling example of the people of her generation. She really is. <laughs> She's really a fighter for life. It's been great having her here. Now, Michael, uh, going back to the Gettysburg Pro-Life Rally where you spoke, what was your message that you gave to the audience that day? Well, the thing that I really wanted people to get was to understand that the devastation of abortion in our country isn't just because of those 61 million babies that are lost, that are not in our society, but it goes far beyond that. Because when you think about it, the, the, the children of those babies that died will never exist. Mm -hmm. Their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren. I mean, for generations to come, this 60 million will ripple through our society. And not only that, but in, in, in um, relationships where abortions take place, the couple tends to break up and they don't even, they don't even get married or have any more children right. after the abortion. And in my case, my mom and dad got pregnant with me when they were in high school. Mm -hmm. And if abortion had been legal in the day that that happened and they had aborted me, which they never thought about doing, by the way, but right. if they had, then I wouldn't have been born, right. but they wouldn't have gotten married and they wouldn't have had 14 more kids after me <laughs> and 49 grandchildren and 33 great-grandchildren and many, many more to come. So the 61 million is just the tip of the iceberg of the devastation. And we're just talking about one family. Right. Mul multiply that by the million abortions that take place every year. And it's just astounding how many people we've lost. We've, we really have lost a lot more than 60 million right. when you calculate it that way. Yep. And that's what I told the people in Gettysburg. Now, Katie, why did you decide to do your internship at the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Um first one being that I need experience right. you know, for a real job um, so then I can um, have experience in the work field that I plan on doing. And also, just because it has interest me and um, and actually using that and what I'm getting my degree and putting those two together is just an amazing opportunity to make something that has never been made before. So it's definitely... It's been an awesome experience so far. That's wonderful to hear. Now, Katie, what have you learned so far working at the Federation? Oh, oh my gosh. I've learned a lot. I've learned several different things. I remember still having being here on my first day and Michael breaking down everything and being that person being like, okay, this, 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 and this. But I've learned so much, just like terms I've never heard of before, like assisted suicide and infanticide, the black genocide, and all of that. 
But really what I've never really learned about, and part of it was the educational part on my term, was actually the effects of abortion and how it affects a woman. Not, not even only the woman, but the baby. There's so much that you can learn from, from researching and educating yourself. And it's just been a whole eye-opening experience and it has affirmed my beliefs. That's great. Now, Michael, what are your goals for this year's Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation agenda? Well, I think the first thing we need to do is we need to reach more and more Pennsylvanians with the truth. As I said, people don't really know the truth. So we're going to be out there. We're out there 24-7 on the Internet with our website, with our social media, trying to get the truth out to people so they know what's going on. Working with our chapters, we have chapters in over 40 of the counties within Pennsylvania who are working with us to educate people about these things. Uh, but we, there are 67 counties in Pennsylvania. Some of them are pretty sparsely populated, but some of them we could get more chapters in. So we want to do that and expand our chapter outreach. We also want to work to, to really prepare to elect officials to office who are going to respect life and pass laws. Because if you think about it, next year coming up in 2020, there's going to be a big election. And we certainly want to make sure that we reelect our pro-life president. Uh, everybody that is, that is putting themselves out there right now to run against President Trump is on the radical pro-abortion movement. And we cannot let them get into office because they will turn back the clock on everything that we've achieved. And also, in our Congress in Washington, D.C., and in our General Assembly in Harrisburg, we need to expand these pro-life and majorities that we have because it's so, so important. Because we also need to pass legislation that is going to protect human life. And so once we get the right people into office, uh, then we can do that. So we also want to work on some legislation this year, despite the fact that our governor um, has said anything that pro-life that passes his desk, he will veto. Well, let's see if he will. Well, speaking of legislation, um, we just got word that the Down Syndrome Protection Act is being reintroduced. And this is very exciting news for us. Um, it's being introduced by State Representative Kate Clunk of York County and Speaker Mike Terzai of Allegheny County. And what this would do is that it would really provide protection for children who've been diagnosed with Down syndrome in the womb. It would say that a woman could not get an abortion solely for the reason of a Down syndrome diagnosis. We know that this is important because there is such a high abortion rate among women whose children have been diagnosed with Down syndrome. It may be as high as 90% by some estimates. Imagine that. Nine out of 10 children with Down syndrome being aborted. It's really frightening. And we also know what's going on in Iceland where they claim that they have eradicated Down syndrome. Well, they haven't eradicated Down syndrome. They've eradicated children with Down syndrome. And so it's very frightening. And it's something that um, we need to really pay attention to. And I would encourage all of our listeners that um, if you um, are in the state of Pennsylvania, if you live here, please contact your state representative and urge him or her to co-sponsor the Down Syndrome Protection Act. It is a very important piece of legislation. 
it's going to be our number one priority in the coming year. So please keep that in mind. Now, Michael, what has been your most memorable speech you have ever given throughout your years in the pro-life movement? Wow, that's... <laughs> We're looking at 17 years since um, I've been here. Jeez, trying to think back over it. I, you know what really comes to mind to me is speaking to middle school-aged children. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I've had the opportunity to speak to middle-aged kids uh, on a couple different occasions. And, and the first thing I want to do is talk to them about abortion, but in, in an age-appropriate way. Mm -hmm. um, and we talk about human life, you know, mm -hmm. a little bit about the science. You'd be surprised at what these kids can really understand mm -hmm. about how at the moment of conception, there's a little human being that's only one cell big. Right. And, and this one cell has everything in it that is going to be that person, their genetics, everything and it's so unique than mm -hmm. every other human being they get that and then i tell them I, I the story of dr zeus's story about horton here's a who oh that's a good one yeah if people aren't familiar with horton here's a who it, it's about this elephant who basically saves these very very tiny tiny people who live in a place called whoville if you're not familiar with Horton Hears a Who, you, you've got to get the children's story and read Dr. Zeus. Because <laughs> he really he really does a, a really good job on it. But Horton really works hard to save these little people in Whoville. Because Horton says, a person's a person, no matter how small. Mm. And you think about kids these days. Kids get that. Right. Kids get that. Especially kids, you know, when they're, when they stand up. And they look around in a room and they have to cock their necks back to look up at all the people. And they know how small they are in a room. Yeah. When you say a person's a person's no matter how small, they know that you recognize them. Mm -hmm. And if you recognize them, then they feel like they need to recognize that baby in the womb. Even though that baby's so small and maybe they can't see that baby uh, through the mom's womb, they know that that baby is really a person. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you what, kids get it. Mm -hmm. Kids are horrified, horrified that, that people, grown-ups in this country, legally kill these babies. Mm -hmm. They really do get it. And, and it's so important that they get it at that young age because so, sooner or later, somebody from the other side is going to try and convince them that that's just a blob of tissue. And those kids are going to look them in the eye and say, no, a person's a person no matter how small, and I know it. Katie, do you wish that Michael had spoken to your class when you were in middle school? Oh, absolutely, for sure. Well, plus, he's just an amazing person overall. <laughs> but absolutely, I've never got that experience, like, throughout um, my middle school and young age. I mean, we've talked about, like, several options, like, like, the, um, like sex and, you know, all those diseases. And like drug and alcohol abuse, but we never really had a true discussion about the effects of abortion or what abortion is and such like that. So mm -hmm. absolutely, I do wish I had that in my life right. at the time. Now, Katie, why are you pro-life? Well, I've always known since a young age and now, you know, since working and getting myself educated, I know I'm 110% pro-life. <laughs> um, I feel um, that life is very sacred. And 
to think upon that, like, why would you take a life so innocent away that doesn't even have a chance to experience the world? I mean, I feel as if some people are very selfish or they don't want to take responsibilities for their actions or even for another life. There's kids in Hershey Med right now fighting for their life for cancer, but we're taking innocent lives away that never got to experience life as a whole. And so definitely it's a firm believer for myself why um, I am pro-life and why I want to fight for life. So then we have these kids and adults and grandparents and all those. There could be several of them that could find the cure for cancer or be that lawyer that execute all different types of cases left and right or even future teachers. There's so much that these kids and babies can do, but we don't give them the opportunity if you take their life away. Now, Katie, why do you think that young people are involved in the pro-life movement? Well, for starters, I believe that my generation grew up not really having to pick a side when it comes to abortion. Like, none of my friends I have ever known, you know, ever had an abortion. And I don't believe I've ever come across someone that's my age that ever had an abortion. But I think young people are tired of seeing legal murders happening and preventing future doctors and lawyers, like I've mentioned before, and also, um, in high school and college campuses, they have pro-life clubs and organizations that are strong believers of the movement. And I believe that, you know, they want the same goal as much as I do, which gets rid of um, legal abortions overall. And just even knowing that someone can just take a life away is very sickening. And I think people are just tired of seeing this happening over and over again. I definitely agree. Now, Katie, do you think that there is a lack of education when it comes to abortion? Like I said before, absolutely, for sure. I mean, from my educational experience, I feel like there was a lack. Like I mentioned before, they had the sex talk, drug, alcohol, diseases, all that, but they never really talked about abortion. And all my information about it has, before my internship, has mostly came from family and news and overall social media, reading articles. Definitely social media has been a huge effect on having that type of educational out there but you know it really is up to you whether you search on it or not but also what people you know realize is that those schools who are fortunate to have that discussion um make it to a point that a fetus is not just a blob of tissue or another cell or that this but just to know that this baby is human it's a human being and they don't realize that they have a heartbeat a brain arms legs nose and a mouth People, you know, they don't really fully understand that, and I wish more people would. And ju not just public schools, but also private schools as well. Any type of educational that you can get, I think everyone should know about it. Definitely. We're speaking with Michael Chikachopo, the executive director of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation, and Katie Schreiner, an intern with the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. Michael, what has inspired you to fully commit yourself to the pro-life movement? Well, I have always been pro-life. Uh, as I mentioned, I have 14 younger brothers and sisters. Um, when I was growing up, from the time I was born until I left home, my mother brought a new baby into our house about every 12 to 15 months. Um, so I have personal experience with babies and new life and, and making way for every child that came in and respecting and loving each child. Um, but I had a, a full career in hospital administration. Uh, 31 years in the United States Air Force and at Holy Spirit Hospital near Harrisburg. 
And I thought that's what the Lord had called me to. But the Lord really called me about 17 years ago to give all that up to come to work in the pro-life movement. And, you know, when the Lord calls you in such a compelling way, you really don't want to say no to him. Uh, you really don't. And, and when he, if all of the human beings in the world picks you to do something in particular, you just want to do it. You want to do it. You want to do it to the best of your ability. So that's why I am so committed to it, because he called me for some reason to do this. He called you to do something. He called everybody to do something. And if everybody would do what the Lord calls them to do and commit themselves to it, I think the world would be a much better place. And so I'm just trying to do what I can to answer that call. I totally agree with you. Now, Michael, turning now to the March for Life, what did you see at the rally, and how was the rally? Oh, my gosh. The rally this year was unbelievable. As I mentioned, the young people, uh, it, it just, even this year, it seemed like there were so many more young people than I've ever seen before at the March for Life. Uh, the Vice President of the United States, Mike Pence, came to the rally just before the March for Life personally and spoke to us. Uh, I've seen Mike Pence at the rally probably for the last 17 years that I've been working in the pro-life movement. He He's always been very, very committed to life and did a good job. Um, President Trump even addressed the March for Life uh, by video, which was great because then we didn't have to go through security and everything uh, to get in. Ben Shapiro. Uh, if people don't know Ben Shapiro, he's this young Jewish commentator who is just gifted at defending life. I could listen to him for hours, to be honest with you. There were, it was reported at least 300,000 people were at the march this year. There might have been more than that. These people come from all across the country. And to see what they go through, you know, I drive a couple hours from Harrisburg to D.C. for the March Rife. There are people that sit on buses for two days to get to Washington, D.C., just to be in the March for Life. It is the most impressive thing, and it is the largest human rights movement going on in the world in the 21st century. It's remarkable. It truly is. Now, Katie, can you compare and contrast the March for Life and the West Coast Walk for Life? Of course. Well, for starters, we can just throw this one out there, that they're both at different locations. Let's just make this clear. The March for Life is in our nation's capital, while the Walk for Life is in San Francisco on the West Coast. Um, also, you know, they organize their um, events in very similar ways, but there's still also some differences. Like, for an example, at the Walk, it seems like when I was watching it that it was a more peaceful vibe and it was more relaxed than with the March for Life since it's at our nation's capital. There's going to be more people that are more up-in-your-face type of feeling and attentional type of thing going on. But also at the Walk for Life, there was a moment during the rally where they had women on stage and they had um, sonograms that you can hear the baby's heartbeat in their wombs. And it was just an incredible thing to watch and to hear as well. And also, during, like uh, Michael said, during the rally at um, the march, that President Trump and Mike Pence made their voice appearance on there, and it mm -hmm. was really great to watch. But some more um, similarities, actually, is that they both have the same talkers, like Abby Johnson and the EWTN news uh, channel broadcasted both the march and the walk. And I thought that was incredible, also with the same with the Congress people and the preachers. But I think mostly the same, the thing that we can mostly compare is that they're just fighting for life. And at the end of the day, they want to end legal abortions and the work to get 
together to make that possible. And just to realize how much this has affected our nation. You've been listening to Lifelines, the radio program of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. I'm your host, Maria Gallagher. Thank you for joining us. And remember, there's always a reason to choose life.